Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cirelli. I'm excited for this one, but I'm excited for all my uh, podcast men because uh, that, that's just the curiosity of hearing people's stories. So I've got uh, Dave Batista and uh, and John, owners and partners in DC Society, right. Inc. Yes, sir. And you guys are launching this July 24th. Yeah, correct? we are. Yes. Yeah, we'll have the grant. We've been open for a while. We've had the doors open since January, but we'll finally have a grand opening. We just want to kind of celebrate us being an opening, you know, and let the public come in and check out the place and, and meet us and say hello to the community. Uh, we got, we both have roots here, so we just want to open the doors for everyone to come in. I, I So you guys have been open since January yeah. and, and that is to, Hey, let's test, let's test things out. Let's, well, let's work yeah, out the kinks. Pretty much. You know, it's, it just takes a while. We are, we starting this from, you know, ground up and we want to need to build up a clientele and a following. Uh, so we just started, you know, opened the doors, started bringing people in, and it's kind of word of mouth thing. We don't really do any advertising, advertising other than social media. Uh, we don't, as you see, we're not in a mall or anything, so there's not a lot of walk through traffic. So we just wanted to get the open doors, you know, open the doors, get the word out, and actually have the grand opening when I was here and I could participate because otherwise I'm just a name attached to it. But uh, you know, when I'm home, I'm actually here pretty much daily. Yes. Come and yes. just hang out. <laughs> I would have never suspected because, yeah. John, you, you, you're, you're renowned as a tattoo artist sure. and yes. an artist. Yeah. Yes. And Dave, pretty much yeah. the world knows who you are. You, you guys say you want to build a following. I think yeah. you already got a following. Yeah. Yes. The, now, I got to tell you what I love about uh, sort of your motto is let us help you tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has a story to tell. Right. Yes. Everyone should be the hero of their own story. Yes. For sure. But so many people right now are struggling. They don't recognize yeah. that. Right. Um, why is that so important to you guys? Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it probably starts with a personal thing, but then, you know, it turns into like a community thing, a society thing. I think it's a, a nice to have a place where people can come and we all have something in common. Our lives may be in completely different places. We may have completely different opinions. We may be just all, all together, just across the board, different people. But when you come in here and you're getting inked up, we all have one thing in common that we can share and talk about. And typically the thing, you know, the ink on our bodies is our, our stories are, they mean something to us. They're personal, they have their symbols, their symbolism. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that connects us to our past and where we come from and where we're going and our dreams and our families and people who we love and are important to us. And 
all that across the board is something for us to start talking about, start a, like a dialogue with each other. You know, so it is, it's, it's a society. There's no, when you come here, it's a, well, like we all have that bond. Do you think, and John, do you think to some degree, you know, people make assessments about who we are based off of gossip or assumptions or just preconceived notions? I mean, is, the, is the canvas of our skin like the way to say, hey, no, that's not who I am? Yeah, it's, sometimes pe- a lot of people judge. Yes. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's what we are. <laughs> you know, that's who we are. Yeah. So, humans. Yeah. And I, I think people are much more accepting of it. I think it's much more accepted now. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I've even noticed it throughout my career, like in, in films, that people are just more accepting. It's just more commonplace. For ink? Yeah, for ink. Oh, definitely. It's not, okay. doesn't have that bad connotation that it had at one time. <laughs> isn't, yeah. isn't that crazy, man? Yeah. Because I, I came from a Roman Catholic family. Yeah. And one, I'm, I'm coming back to work with John to, to do a sleeve <laughs> right. as well as the right side of my uh, right. rib cage to, right. as a memorial to the, to the guys. But yeah. Even within my family, you know, I, I came home with one tattoo and it was like the the second coming of Christ, not in a good way. Um, <laughs> like I was, yeah. I wasn't disowned, but it yeah. was just like, what, what was it that changed yeah, that? I don't know, man, but that's like even a good point because a lot of people come in and want like religious themed tattoos mm-hmm. and just because they're proud of their religion or, you know, what they, their beliefs. And it's, again, it's a part of their story. So yeah, I don't know what changed it, everything, but it just does seem like you're seeing tattoos uh, more and more. People are more ex- accepting of them. People and uh, like across the board, any all walks of life are getting tattoos. Yeah. It's not like just your your biker gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more <laughs> it like a now. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just people are just being more open-minded about it. Well, yeah, I can tell you from the culture I came from yeah. uh, within the SEAL teams and the, the Army Special Forces right. community and the military as a whole right. is it, it's a cultural thing. Sure. And I mean, the guys, their sleeves were yeah. I was because I was an officer. I was always so jealous because it was like artwork on their arm mm-hmm. who like, I mean, it was part of their DNA. Right. It showed the culture that they belong to, For what sure. they believed. And I used to look forward to. uh uh, to Mondays coming into work because yeah. I'd be like, who got a new tattoo? Oh, right, right. They'd be like, zombie Elvis, sir. And like, uh, you know you can't have tattoos yeah. on your wrist. They're like, right on. Right, right on. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Um, but, you know, guys, you, you have your own stories and I want to dive into that because sure. even Dave, given given your, 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 your notoriety, right. people still don't know your background, do they? They just know yeah. you for... Uh, Deacon Batista or Batista yeah, yeah. on, but <laughs> yeah. you have experiences that shaped you and pushed you down that path. Oh, for sure. And you are still redefining yourself. I mean, you've yeah. now had yeah. multiple professions, man. Right. Um, why don't we start with John? Yeah. Cause I, you know, I talked with John for about, about an hour, man. Yeah. And your story uh, of you even had preconceived notions cause you were working construction. You're like, oh, I man, can't yeah, do tattoo, tattooing for a living. And, yeah. but, uh, you come from Miami, man. Yes. Uh, and, I, and your, your story is also the American story. Yes, man. I, I grew up in Miami. Um, moved from Puerto Rico here when I was 10 and I came to Miami. My parents moved here. Um, and my dad was, you know, he was an engineer and stuff like my dad was an engineer and stuff like that. Um, next thing, you know, you know, just growing up in Miami, not a great neighborhood, but, you know, decent neighborhood. Um, well, let me, let me back up. I'm always interested. Why would your family leave Puerto Rico? Was it just lack of opportunity? (sighs) My dad got a better opportunity on a better job down in Florida. Yes. So we moved in and my mom decided after a big hurricane that happened in in Puerto Rico, it was like, we need somewhere bigger than this. So (laughs) so she decided, she actually was my mom's actual thing. She decided to come and move down here 
which was great for me because you know it opened a lot of doors for me as well. But it, and had you were you English speaking at all? No, no, I didn't know any. No, That's so 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 my so you got to bury my language here sometimes, um, you know. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know any English at all. So when going to school, it was hard, like learning different languages. So it, it got rough for me. With, so, with the other kids that were Spanish, yes, English yes. speaking, that so you know they had to put me in a special class for to, to just to learn different languages. It was it was tough. Learning, learning the language of English, not even knowing none. You know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't wish that on. on <laughs> yeah. yeah, but now you know it's 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 good. You know, I I get a you know, um, learned a lot of more languages, so it's good for me. Yeah, I so I don't speak any other. Language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even speak English well. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but then you know, graduated high school yes. and you started working construction. So I, I actually, st- I was working construction while I was in high school, actually. So I was, I was actually not even construction. I was putting mobile homes together, like carrying blocks yeah. under the mobile homes, kind of to put them together. You know, it's construction. Um, and then I was always into art. I would just always drew. I always had like artistic thing, um, talent. My mom and always put me into art classes and always like that since I was small. Um, so... I was always in magnet school programs and, and, um, no kidding. Yeah. So I always loved art, you know? So from there, I just, you know, continue my passion with art. I always drew, I always uh, painted stuff like that. And, um, it was your dad is equally supportive. Yeah. My dad has always been there. And, um, he's always, he was always, you know, follow, you know, try to follow my dreams. Um, I mean, my dad and my mom separated, so. Sorry to hear that. So, no, I mean, it happened a long time ago. Um, so, you know, it got kind of rough when we got, when we became teenagers through that. But, you know, we did learned. That, did that impact your art at all? Uh, it actually made me more of an artist because then I hit through the art of my pains and the things that I was going through. Mm-hmm. So I kind of hit through that. So it made me like every every time like my art teachers like why you draw so hard you know because that's you know I always focus everything bad into drawing and then came something good out of it you know what I mean so it was your outlet huh it was it was your outlet yeah, no yeah it was my outlet to talk about the gym yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, even though yeah. you don't definitely. have the same fitness goals that you're you're yeah. you're stress related yeah it was definitely yeah. yeah definitely the same so yeah it was a good it was a good outlet um and it was good. Um, other than that, just when I start, when I continued my career, um, one time my dad, my dad went to a, um, a dentist and I followed with him. I, was, I think I was 15, 14 and there was a tattoo shop there. And I was, I was like, okay, let me, um, I, I, I caught my eye, my interest because I always wanted to be an artist, wanted to be a famous painter. And, you know, I always wanted to draw and do, do everything. So when I saw a tattoo shop, you know, I think it was tattoos by Lou. So I, I looked through the window. I couldn't see. I was looking, peeping inside and stuff like that. They were sort of like strip clubs. Back yeah, 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 yeah. You, know, you have window, to be 18 and over to get in. Yeah. So I, I walked in the door thinking I just walk in, you know, I don't, I hardly knew English. So, you know what I mean? So I walked through the door and, you know, I said, I told the guy, hey, how, how do you do this? How do you learn this? The guys looked at me. He's like, "Hey, get out of here! You can't be in here." It's like, you know, I'm trying to learn. I want to, you know, it caught my eye, my interest. In. He's like, "No, nah, you'll never get. You'll never be able to do this." So I kind of walked out. You know, kind of pissed off, but I'm still that, wondering. And, being told that in life, you can't, you can't. Do yeah, you know this. what I mean. So my mind, I was like, "Man, I, I still want to do this. I don't care what you tell me." You know. So came home that same day, and I, I grabbed a couple of my friends, and I grabbed the pen I was drawing on then. 
and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, I was, yeah, I was drawing on my friend's legs and stuff like that. One day you're gonna have to pay me for this. And they were like, uh, yeah, sure, sure, like playing them. And next thing you know, I'm, they're paying me. <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy story, man. And I decided like, thank God I did it because I really wanted to be a famous painter. Now I realize that all the you famous painters, you know, all the famous painters were dead and, and they didn't make <laughs> no money at that time. So I was like, I need to make money and I need to, I need to enjoy what I like. <laughs> so it was, it was cool, man. It was very interesting how everything began, man. Somebody told me I couldn't do it and I just followed my dreams. Wait, when you made that leap yeah. to quit construction and go all in. Was, oh yeah, uh, I was all in. But I mean, were there rough times? Were there a lot, was there a lot of doubt? Like, Listen, oh boy, did I just the whole that? The whole trip is all, it's been a rough, <laughs> the That's whole awesome. time, the whole time. I think it's still been rough. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I hate when people say that I never had a doubt. Oh like, man, you're crazy, yeah. no. What are yeah. you talking yeah. about? No. I'm filled with doubts yeah. to these yeah. days. Yeah. I mean, now, that's separate from like <sighs> humble confidence. Oh, definitely. But I, you know, having left the SEAL teams and retired from the military, I'm like, crap. Do yeah. I have what it takes to to do X, Y, and Z now? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. And people, but people only see all the, all the success. They don't see the. Oh yeah, they don't see the hard work you put into everything. How many tattoos I really done? <laughs> I can't even count how many tattoos I done. But you know, I was going to ask that question. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot count how many tattoos he's done on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one guy. Imagine I, I've been tattooing 27 years. I, I don't even know how many. <laughs> 27 years. Yes. Dude. How many lives you, you probably impacted? Oh my God, man! I, right now. The funny thing is that I tattoo guys that bring me their kids. And then I tattoo their kids, you know. Wait, 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 when you say you tattoo their kids, is, is there a age limit here? No, Five year old, like, they're over eighteen. Like they come when they're babies. I see them in stroller, then I'm tattooing them. Like what the? F yeah, where does the time fly? I, I just want to make sure DC Society Inc. is not tattooing anyone. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it, it over. It's over. But no, what, what I'm saying is, like, I I see so many different errors in life just just doing this business, met so many great people. I mean, uh, if I have to do it all over again, I'll do it all over again. Dude, you, you know, as we're talking and this just hit me, uh, there was this uh, officer in the SEAL teams who I, you know, he was a peer and, and we were at a dev group together and we went through the assessment and selection to get into that place together. But this is the most, I mean, John Hopkins University, most clean cut looking guy. And I barely knew him. And he takes his shirt off and his whole back is the Terminator. <laughs> oh, really? Where the skin is peeling off. Yeah. You see the mechanical, yeah. uh, you know, the wheels. And it like, it, I, it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, I would have never have guessed that. Yeah. But it actually was the coolest thing. Like it was thought out, but it covered his entire lower neck wow. to, to, to his uh, back waist. Right. Um, it was pretty interesting. But yeah. so Dave, as, as I... Did the research, man. I read a ton of articles and watched some interviews, man. Mm -hmm. and, and again, to the point I said earlier, a lot of people don't know your background, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. You know, it's weird to me because I I don't understand why people, especially when coming out of wrestling before I got into films, people just had this preconceived notion of who I was. Like I was just this arrogant prick it was, who was from money and, and I just never got that at all. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are, are surprised to find out, um, you know, how I grow, grew up and that I was raised by a single lesbian mom. And uh, but I grew up dirt poor, man, and I didn't have a dime to my name till well into my 30s. And I, you know, and that's because I went into pro wrestling, but I went in, decided I wanted to pursue pro professional wrestling when I was uh, almost 30. Mm -hmm. And then it took me still years to even I was 
world champion and still borrowing money. I was a world champion no and I was living in a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. We were still broke just because I, you know, I borrowed money to get there and, you know, I had credit was horrible. <laughs> I was a world champion for years and my credit was still horrible because, <laughs> and that was typically because I was making, okay, I was making a good living, but I was so old school and I'd come home to a stack of bills and they were always late. So I could never get caught up on my bills. I refused. Well, you, you were gone all the time. I was gone all the time. Like once they strapped that, that belt around my waist, I was never home, never home. And my marriage just, I mean, family life just fell apart. Did, did you ever question? Cause I mean, one, you're, you're world champ now, mm. but yet you're still having money issues. I mean, were you thinking yeah. like, Hey, just stay the course or like, Hey, what am I, what am yeah. I doing? Well, you know, at that point I was uh, really pursuing it out, out, out of love. Yeah. I just, I become, I became obsessed with professional wrestling, which is why I think I was able to climb the ladder so fast. It's not because, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't chasing money. I wasn't chasing a paycheck. I mean, I wanted to make a good living like everybody else does, yeah. but I really became obsessed with professional wrestling. And I was fortunate enough to be mentored by two of the best ever were Ric Flair and Triple H. And when I was given that, are you still close? Very. Yeah. yeah. I, I love those guys. I love those. Even if we don't talk every day, you know, I, I saw Triple H. I haven't seen him since God, two, two, I think 2019. But if you saw him tomorrow, it'd be like you guys. Old, yeah. Old hat. We rode down the roads together for years. And he mentored me and he, you know, he really turned me into a star. And but so and, and I want to dive into it. What was unique about those two guys were, cause I know you said like yeah. it was very cutthroat in yeah, that sure. environment. Like yeah. some people were not willing to give you time cause they saw you as competition and. Absolutely. But those, for one, those two guys were just encyclopedias. Like any, they were open books to me and they wouldn't give that opportunity to everybody, but they thought that I would, I, I deserved it. I, until I proved them that I didn't deserve it, they were going to be open books to me. Um, but I think that was, there was, they watched me come up a little bit and, and the WWE and they, I think they, they saw how bad I, bad I wanted it. And I really wanted to be there. And I think for the right reasons, which is why they decided to take me under their wings. Let, let me ask you this. Cause I, I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect yeah. on what I did, mm -hmm. uh, at war and the mentors and coaches I've had. Yeah. Is it, have you ever had the opportunity to go back and just say, Hey, I just, I, I'm just calling to say, Hey, thanks. I want to say thank you. I say thank you on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I don't talk to them, I publicly, I thank them and make people, yeah. people are aware. They know that I, that I've often said that I, I just wouldn't have gotten to where I, I was at if it wasn't for them. Like I owe them my career, especially Triple H. Triple H literally made me a star in that company. And he made me a star and he ment mentored me and babied me and carried me until I was able to stand on my legs and make other people stars. Like he really babied me through that process. You know, I, like talk about doubt. Yeah. <laughs> talk they about doubt. No, I mean, when I was there, the whole, I was world champion thinking, still thinking I'm going to lose my job next week. <laughs> I'm gonna, like I'm expendable. I, I always had that mindset, like I'm expendable. So I'm not going to give them a reason to fire me. And throughout my career, I had that mentality. That's actually, in my opinion, yeah. a great mentality to have. Oh, I mean, definitely. you've heard the phrase like, yeah. don't get comfortable or I'm sorry, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because mm -hmm. the second you think you're secure, right. that's when you start to degrade. Yep. Right. Is everyone is replaceable. Sure. Mm -hmm. I had no notion of the SEAL teams that I I, I, right. I, I knew I was replaceable yeah. up to the point where I, I no longer yeah. had the passion or, or belief right. in what I was doing. But um, gratitude is a powerful, powerful thing. For sure. And, when I talk to, uh, to companies, because that's basically what I do outside of this, is I, I go and talk about leadership and culture because it's one thing I'm passionate about right. because I sucked at it so freaking bad. Right. Uh, and I speak 
on leadership and culture from the fact that I watched other people, these, these amazing performers. But when I start my, start my speeches and it's along the lines of what you're saying, I say, uh, I need you to know uh, as I'm speaking here, if I've seen further, it's because I stand on the shoulders uh, of giants, men and women that were better than myself. Like nobody gets to where they're at on their own. Right. It's true. Other people bolster us up. I want to ask you one thing moving back because from what I read, you know, uh, you know, you didn't have a male figure right. in your life. Uh, I know there's a lot of the whole concept in the nuclear family is just, it, it's, that, that's just not a thing anymore for the right. most part. Right. Where, where did you find that male influence in your younger years? Was it the gym? Was it mentors there? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I, I still don't think that I ever really had it. Yeah. I mean, my mom was, you know, she was, uh, both, you know, my mother, the nurturer, but also the disciplinarian. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, she, and she was a tough woman, Jimmy. She, my mom would beat my ass. <laughs> Sounds like a good woman. She, <laughs> yeah, we all need that yeah. from time to time. No. But she, I n- just never had that, that male father figure. I, I never had it, you know. I still didn't have it. I, I, you know, I always, I get asked every once in a while if I, you know, if it's hard for me not, you know, never really having a relationship with my father. And I say, no, it's not because I don't, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what to miss. It was just, there's nothing there. There's a void there. It's a mystery. I don't know what that was like. If you had like a strong bond with your father and, and then lost it, it might be different. Yeah. But I just never had it. It was never that figure there for me. So I don't know what it's like to miss. All I know is my mom and I, and I know her nature and I know what I took away from my mother's, you know, work ethic and, and nature and being a good, decent person. And is that bled over into being a father? Yeah, I mean, I definitely made my mistakes as a father. I, I, I thought that I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there's no there's no handbook. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I had a lot of issues with my daughters. And I thought that I was always did right by them. And I, for, you know, we're estranged now. And I don't speak with them. Um, and they've got a lot of issues. But there came a point, point in my life where I, I had to stop taking blame for it. Like when they were adults and still making mistakes and still... Uh, you know, going down the wrong path. And I've given them opportunity after opportunity. These kids had every advantage in the world and I didn't spoil them. I didn't, it's not like I wasn't the kind of guy who just bought them stuff. And I I loved them like unconditionally, but they just went down bad paths. And now I'm at the point where unless they start, unless they really want to straighten themselves out, I can't help them because they're adults now. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that I, I did right by them when they were young. I had custody of my daughters, uh, which, you know, a professional wrestler who's never home yeah. getting custody, you know, sole custody yeah. of his yeah. two daughters is not easy. But I fought for them because I love them so much. And they just still I just couldn't straighten them out and get them down that, you know, that right path. And, and it kills me. It's still hard to talk about. But, you know, I, I can sense it. Yeah. It's just yeah. like I got to the point where it's like, what else can I do? You know, so if if so, my one. My one, my oldest daughter has drug issues, mm-hmm. and at at this, like we don't really communicate because I just I have to, you know, really read between the lines with her, and nothing's ever the truth. And so, if she calls and says I am at rock bottom, I need to go rehab, I will pay for it, no problem. If she wants either of my daughters want to do anything to educate themselves, I will done. But until they try to make an effort to become better human beings. Uh, with a purpose in life, I just, I can't help them. You know, my son is 14 turned 15. Yes. Completely diff- different story. Yeah. The most respectful kid. He just grinds every day and it's yes, ma'am. You know, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And just like the best good hearted kid in the world. And I just, you know, 
So he, you know, him, I'm really investing right now. He moved, his mom moved him back to Tampa so we could be closer to each other. So uh, yeah. he's here, he's local. And that's kind of like where I'm putting my efforts as a father right now. Yeah. But, you know, for, for someone who, who leads the everyday warrior, you know, I don't talk about my kids much on the, yeah. on, on the podcast yeah. and for a reason, yeah. uh, there, there's a little bit of estrangement there. Sure. Uh, my daughter's 18, my son's 14, but, um, God, I hope, you know, I've, I've made the effort. I hope yeah. they reach out and I hope when they, they turn 18, they, they realized there were some things at play yeah. that, that, that prevented that, but I'll, I'll take ownership over that. Now, you know, I've always heard the phrase, sometimes you gotta, you know, time yeah. and you gotta let some people, I don't want to say hit rock bottom, but yeah. let, they, they've got to figure it out on their own before right. they realize, Hey, I need my, right. my old man or my, my, my old yeah. mom's, uh, help man. Yeah. And, I, and I've done that. I've, you know, my oldest daughter, like I said, with the drug issues and, and I, you know, it's a disease I can't relate to. I don't understand, but I understand it's real. So, like you said, if they call and say I've hit rock bottom, I, I need this or they need that. As long as it's not money, I will. But I will pay for rehab. If you need a place to live, I'm not going to let you go homeless. Yeah. Uh, but I've been there like multiple times. And when do you, you know, it's, that's what led me to just not really dealing with it. You call me if you need to go to rehab again. Done. Anything yeah. to educate yourself. Done. But it, it, it was a lot of things that led me to that place where I just can't interact with you like and and pretend like everything's okay. Because everything's not okay, and you need to make at least some effort to make everything okay. Well, dude, I know it's not easy to, to talk about that, yeah. especially about no, it sucks. I make, man. <laughs> it sucks. Like it really yeah. sucks. It it just and it, and I know that some people are gonna they won't really understand that, and they will say, "Well, you need to be there for your kids no matter what," and that's just not always the case. Yeah. You know, and they're not kids anymore. Yeah, you know, they're adults. They're grown ass adults. There, there's a good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Lisa Jaster, and she's actually one of my partners mm. in my firm. She was the third woman to graduate Ranger School, mm. wow. and uh, yeah, the age of 37 and a mama too. Wow. Talk about a badass dude. Yeah. Um, but when she canvassed on Facebook, her friends, she said, "Hey, I have an opportunity to go to Ranger School." The amount of comments of like, "Hey, your job is to be a mom, and a mom is at home," yeah. uh, or you know, you're going to miss six months of your kids' lives when they need you most. People need to stop making judgments when it comes to families. Right. Families are all unique. Right. And uh, just because you you have a holier than life family right. does not mean you've done it right. Give it time. Your kids may end up being uh, complete and utter uh, right. jackasses. Yeah. So okay. I, I try to refrain. And, and when people pass judgment on on my, my family, like it's, it's a non-starter. Just just stop in, in your tracks. Um, you did say, you know, at a young age, and I love this, dude. Like my escape is, I love the gym. Yeah. Even though injuries seem to be just coming out on, yeah, like yeah. on yeah. Uh, wholesale, uh, you know, hip replacement and everything. But uh, I used to take my kids to the movies where we'd get big things of popcorn, and, and it was like my escape because you can dream in movies. Yeah. You said at an early age, you knew yeah. you knew you wanted yeah. that. Well, it's, it's, you know, when I was young, because we were, you know we were poor, and a lot of times, uh, you know, like I didn't have anything. I went. You know, I grew up in, in the streets of D.C. and there was nothing to inspire me. Yeah. <laughs> there was, you know, and I was one of those kids. I was out. I was desensitized by, you know, age of seven, eight. And I was seeing dead bodies in the street and still playing kickball with my, you know, my Our friends. nation's freaking capital. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, where I grew up in southeast D.C. is great now. It's right right where National Park is now. It's oh, right. did you get like gentrified? Oh, very. Very. Yeah. But it was it was it was pretty awful. And uh, that was one of the things, one of the reasons my mom moved us out of D.C. to San Francisco is because there's some guy got killed in the alley where we lived. We lived right on an alley and some guy got killed and the police were there and everything. So we're all out, out I don't know, pretty late at night. 
kids came out of their house because the police are going, you know, yeah. looking through this and everybody's out wondering what happened. But we're out in the streets playing. And my mom saw that and realized that we, like a dead body sitting there in the alley right next to our house is not affecting us at all. She was like, I got to get them out of here. What, what, how old were you when you moved to was, San Francisco? I think I was, well, we moved back and forth a few times. I think at this point I was about seven or eight years old. Yeah. This is when we moved back the second time. My mom split from my dad when I was very young. And yeah. She went out to San Francisco and, she, and we were with my grandparents for a while. And we moved out and joined her. And then my mom and dad make this like half-assed, horrible attempt at getting back together. We moved did. back to D.C. and they were together for like, I don't know, a month or two. And then we were stuck there in Maryland and my dad left us in this apartment. You know, my mom couldn't afford. So we moved uh, into D.C. Yeah. And we lived in a, all three of us, me, my mom and my sister lived in a, a basement of this house in D.C. And we shared a bed and we shared a bathroom. And, Goddamn, dude. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm from the Bay Area. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now yeah. it seems like things have reversed. Yeah. San Francisco is oh, right. going to, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah. I hope. I don't, I don't know if that's my, uh, uh, my uh, optimism is uh, senile or not. But yeah. um, the, you know, as you make a career shift, uh, I got to assume just by the stature of yourself alone, right. want to like they want to put you in a box and stereotype you into certain. Yeah. Ways. How's yeah. what has that been like, man? Just to it was um, it was rough at first because I refused to let it happen, and I you know it's weird. I got a I got some really good advice from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. When I was first mm-hmm. kind of he knew I was leaving. He knew I wanted to venture out and try to try my head, my hand into acting, and he said, uh, you know, you're going to get thrown a lot of offers. They're going to offer you a lot of money to go and do these movies. They're going to be cliches. They're going to be straight to DVD, but they're going to offer you a lot of money. He's like, turn it down. Don't do it. You're going to get stuck in that rut and you will never go anywhere else. So I was very aware of that. So I avoided that at all costs. I took a couple of jobs because I wanted to get some experience. I wanted mm-hmm. to learn how to act. I didn't know how to act. And that's actually what led me into acting was I realized how bad of an actor I was. <laughs> but when I actually left the company and went that route, I, I mean, I did like three jobs in three years. I was, you know, so I went from making a very good living to making nothing. And I had still had all the same bills. And then the real estate market crashed. <laughs> yeah. So now we're talking like 2008 time frame. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay. I, you know, then I, everything just went wrong, man. I just saw. Uh, I, you know, I, I, my house ended up getting foreclosed on. I was making no money. I was, uh, you know, still had all the same bills and people to support. And yeah, so my life was kind of turned upside down. I uh, struggled for about three years. Well, I struggled for more than three years, but the big um, break was when I got Guardians. So yeah. that was about three years after I left wrestling. And, and what year was that? Uh, so it was, was released uh, in 2000, I think 13 or 14. 13. Yeah, I think I, I shot it in 2013. I think it was released in 2014 and that didn't, um, didn't happen immediately, but then I was kind of on the map, like Drax put me on the map. So doors were opening and this is, it led to the kind of the Blade Runner thing. And, and that really kind of, you know, people started looking at me as more as an actor, like this guy's maybe serious. Maybe let's at least give him a, an audition. So the doors were opening for me. The, uh, the Blade Runner role yeah. was... That, I mean, that really, this is my perspective, my perspective alone. That I mean, even to the small little glasses, right. <laughs> totally painted you in a different light. Yeah. 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 I, I needed that. And that was a big break for me. And that was a, a role that I, believe it or not, I had to fight really hard for that role because the director originally didn't, originally did not want me for that role. Because yeah. of the, the way you looked. Yeah. Well, persona. believe it or not, I'd never heard this before, but I, so I was, sh- I was shooting Guardians 2 and 
they asked me to go out and meet with Denis while I was shooting. So I flew out to L.A. to meet with him. And I walked up to shake his hand. And the first thing he said to me, he was like, I'm sorry, my friend, but you're too young for this part. <laughs> and I'd never heard that. <laughs> I was like, I just can't win. I'm, you know, I'm typically I'm too old or I'm too big, but too young. I'd never heard that. <laughs> so anyway, I was there with him and I, I said, well, you know, I, I flew out and I said, I'm a huge fan, man. That's just, you know, I, I understand I don't have the part, but can we sit down and have lunch and, and bullshit and, and talk about your films? And so I literally sat down with him for about two hours just as a fan and thinking that I don't have this job, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I'll go back and I'll continue doing Guardians. And then they'll produce, but the producers really wanted me for this role. So they called me and they asked me if I'd do a makeup test. I'm sure I didn't do anything. So I did that. They sent the pictures to Denny. No, it's still not right. Would you do a, a you know costume, all that? Yeah. Full. I did it, sent them the pictures. No, it's still not right. Will you do a screen test? Sure, I'd do anything for this part. I'll, you know, I want this part. So I did the screen test. The producers paid for me to do a screen test, which was about 25 grand. And I did the screen test. And they sent it back to him, and, and he loved it. He's like, great, hired, you're hired. And then funny thing is when I showed up to do the role, I was doing it the way I did my screen test. And he said, no, this is all wrong. <laughs> wow. It's like, well, you know, how do you want me to do it? But anyway, so he just flipped the script on me. And, uh, but he saw that I adjusted to his direction. And I think he always respected me for that, which is why when he was casting for Dune, he just called me and said, hey, do you want this role? And I said, of course I want this role. <laughs> it, it's amazing when you build a relationship. Yeah. That yeah. You, you fall with people's, people's trust. Yeah. 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 Which is hard to do. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Trust, but yeah. verify. But yeah. the only way to build trust is to actually get to know people and show that you, sure. you have love and concern. Yeah. For and I think are. that he, I think it meant something to him that I was willing to do anything for this role. I wanted this role. I didn't feel like, I, oh, I'm in Guardians now. I don't have to audition yeah. for this role. Like, yeah. I want this role. I'll fight for this role. Just give me the opportunity to fight for something, you know, that I love, that I want. So I think that's it. I think he appreciated me proving that I wanted that role. Yeah. Well, guys, I, I want to take a mid-roll break. And we, we exit in a certain way when we do mid-roll because I want to come back and I want to talk about the impact of what you're doing. Not only okay. putting art on people that help tell you know tells their story that they have for life yes. I, I know it's no longer permanent because you can't get it removed but um in the same i, I don't think maybe you do realize you know the one is the impact you guys have for the movies is you allow people to dream but even yeah. more so knowing being in you know i went to combat deployments i had 10 of them you know what our escape was what movies oh really and sometimes it was really bad Haji copies. Have you heard that Haji copies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which people were pirating your films, but yeah. it was the it was our one escape. Yeah. Sitting in a uh, uh, a crappy tent with uh, shady uh, AC, sometimes yeah. in horrible environments. But you yeah. just you would escape for two three hours watching uh, a really bad version of the films that you guys put out. Usually yeah. with a somebody in a trench coat, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, they'd have to turn it down while the movie's still going on the camera and then yeah. bring it back up. It was, oh. it was bad. Man. Oh, wow. <laughs> but we, we ask uh, two questions and I'm going to ask each of you for your answer here. Um, biggest regret of your life. And no. yes, uh, I have no regrets is not an answer. We have all, we all have regrets I and I understand it, it's paved where we're at today, but yeah, I think picking one is the hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, that's the, on, that's one uh, of the most honest answers we've probably had so far. I think How about that. Well, yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, he just defaulted. He just did the Heisman. Yeah. He said the, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to narrow him down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Biggest regret. I mean, everything in my life has been an experience, so I don't know how would I put a biggest regret. Yeah. No. 
I, I know I read not yeah. to, but you said you sometimes wonder if you'd graduated high school, if that would have put a, yeah, you know, I just, I, I wonder now because you know, I didn't graduate high school. I'm pretty open about it. I regret not having an education because I don't, you know, think I'm a dummy by any means. No. And I just feel like, uh, that's something that I left, uh, incomplete. Like I didn't finish that. I like to finish things. Um, it just, you know, I wonder if my life, if I had finished and even if I had gone on to college, how would it have changed my life? And I don't like right now, I'm pretty proud of where my life has come, yeah. even with the challenges of not, not having a high school education. Uh, and I don't at this point, I don't know if I'd want to alter my life. So it's like I, I do have regrets, but, you know, it's hard thinking that I would have liked my life to have gone differently. There's one person that was pretty sappy, but I, I did hurt a, a woman like because I lied to her and I cheated on her. Yeah. And I always it breaks my heart because she was so good to me. But I was a girl I dated for, and I knew we were never going to get married. We just didn't have that type of relationship. But still, she was good to me, and we dated each other for about six years. But I I uh, met my current ex-wife, um, sure. and I just fell in love with her. Yeah. And so I was unfaithful to her, and I lied to her. Like, I just religiously lied to her, and it turned, it spiraled down to this thing. I, and I'm just always ashamed of that. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's, like, a huge regret. I wish I had been more honest with her and not hurt her. Cause I know I hurt her very bad and she didn't deserve it. Uh, so sorry. I, I mean, I know that's a little sad, no, but that's no, like, no, 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 I'm and not going to say I haven't I've done learned that. From that. Yeah. Have you, have you, you know, there's times I've gone back out of the blue where they, these people probably don't want to hear from me and I'm just yeah, like, you call been, and say, Hey, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't want to have anything. And I yeah. totally get it. Yeah. Like I, there's nothing I could do to make it up to her. There's nothing, no way I could pay her back. She was good to me. She even supported me. She, you know, she, she didn't deserve what I did to her. And I just always kind of live with that shame. Yeah. We we've, we've all done that. If yeah. anyone says otherwise they're, yeah. they're lying through their teeth. Well, I think my biggest regret is continuing my, um, my art career, like, um, college just to follow up. Cause maybe, um, to me when I get older and, you know, I'm like re- about to retire, I really wanted to do like an art class for, you know, like young kids. So maybe that's pretty much my only regret that I should, you know, but then maybe I'll go back and to do it um, just to finish that 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 career and um, hopefully become one of the teachers for the art for the art students like young young kids. I just want to teach art when I retire. John, yes, uh, I don't think the lack of having a piece of paper is, is if you find the right college, yeah, they will absolutely bring you in. Yeah, to I mean, yeah. in fact, master class yeah. in a lot of ways could could have you do a master class on yeah. art. And yeah. ink. Um, this, this thing with education is insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. So I didn't graduate in my high school class. I had to go back and, yeah. and redo some things. But uh, I wouldn't have gotten my college degree if the Marine Corps hadn't said, hey, we're going to send you back yeah. to become yeah. an officer. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing because they graduated high school with a 2.9. Yeah. Uh, and most of that was from playing sports. Nice. Uh, and, you know, after three years in the Marine Corps, they sent me back to college. And I assure you, I did not get smarter during my three years <laughs> in the Marine Corps. I learned discipline, sure. commitment, yeah. honor, um, grit. And I graduated college with a three point, uh, I think it was like a six, seven, yeah. uh, I round up usually and say 3.7. Don't, don't let the truth get in the way <laughs> no, of a good story. But, uh, I mean, I, if I have to look at my kids, if they said, uh, I don't want to go to college, I, I'd actually probably smirk. If my son said, Hey, I want to go weld. I'm like, I will pay for your welding school yeah. and I will teach you how to run a business yeah. because I think education has lost its yeah. value and, and, and God knows some of the people teaching college right now yeah. uh, are not equipped to train leaders 
for tomorrow. Yeah. They may be able to te teach a profession, but they're not creating good, kind, respectful, empathetic human beings, yeah, man. Sure. Um, next question is uh, hardest decision you've ever had to make business life kids. I mean, you said it with, with your family yeah. is making that decision that, Oh man. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it wasn't a decision that I had to make on the spot. Like I said, it was a decision that came slowly over time. Um, and, uh, it was really because I lost every option and I ran out of options and didn't really know what else to do because there was nothing else. I didn't feel like there was anything else, thing else I could do not to be helpful anyway. Um, so that, and that's just re in regards to, to my daughters. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I think all my decisions in life have, that have led me to anywhere have been hard because yeah. I've always, so when you make a decision that's hard, it's typically you getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You don't go anywhere in life unless you get out of your comfort zone. And that's when you talk about doubt. Like every time I've made those decisions, I've have tons of doubt. I've just started, we just opened up an, an office in LA and it's terrifying to me. Because it's such a leap, it's a leap of faith in myself and it's costing me a lot of money. <laughs> so I am supporting this uh, business through what I'm making now in acting. And I'm hoping, I'm trusting and believing that it will pay off because I love this business, but I, my days in front of the camera are only going to last for so long, but I want to continue in this business because I love it. And I have a what, passion what, what for storytelling. What, what do you think there's a timeline on your, your, your acting career or is that, is that personal? I think it's, it's personal, personal and also like, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's personal. I, you know, I don't want to spend my life in front of the camera. You know, I, um, I do want to prove my worth as an actor because I love it yeah. and I want, I, it's, it's very important for me to be respected by my peers. And which is always why I wanted to prove myself, prove that I could be an actor and not just step away from wrestling and be an action movie star or anything. I never wanted to be labeled like a movie star. I didn't want to be that guy. I wasn't chasing a check. I just wanted to prove that I could stand on stage with the best actors in the world and hold my own and feel like they wanted me there, feel like I deserved to be there. Like that was, I want my, I want respect for my peers. Same within wrestling. You know, a lot of times I get bashed with the fans for not doing this or that or flips off the top rope and, but I know like the Undertaker respected me, Triple H respected me, Ric Flair yeah. respected me, Eddie Guerrero respected me. That meant more to me than anything. That means more to me than being in the Hall of Fame. That means more to me than accolades, you know, from, from the fans, the fans yeah. cheering for me. It was always, I want respect from my peers. And so it's the same in Hollywood. But now as, you know, being as a, a producer, like, I, I, man, I want to tell stories. Like, I love telling stories, man. And so that's why I like that's always been my passion. That's always been my drive. So my drive from acting, telling stories as an actor has, has transitioned into telling stories as a producer and hopefully as a director. And um, is that the future? It's not in front of the camera, I, behind the camera? That's that's my future. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are. So the theme and we'll get into it more after the break, this whole telling of stories, yeah. it's storytelling. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this real quick. Was it hard to leave wrestling? Oh, it was, it was killed me. I didn't want to leave. I didn't. I was. You were leaving a sure paycheck too. I was pretty good paycheck. One, I also loved it. I was obsessed with it. I just wanted opportunities outside of the company that I wasn't getting within the company, and I was told no. I was not going to get those opportunities. I said, well, if I'm not going to get them because it's not right that other performers are getting those opportunities, then I'm going to leave. And they said, no, you're not. And I said, watch me. And I left. <laughs> and I didn't come back until I had achieved something. I went back, and then they. I felt like I was kind of. I was, I was lied to. I wasn't given the run. I, they said there was, they were going to give me. So I left for a little while more and I went back when I was 
guaranteed that I was going to get to go out the way I wanted to. So I always tell people because, you know, typically the word retirement doesn't mean anything in professional wrestling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everybody's asking me when I'm going to come back. And I say, there's not a chance in hell because I got to go out the way I wanted to. And that doesn't happen in professional wrestling, but it happened for me. And I'm not, I'm excuse my language, but I'm not going to shit on it. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not. Step it so, man. I'm not going to. Yeah. So I'm just not going to, I am so proud of the way my career ended and I got to call the shots and I got to go out on my own terms and there's no way I'm going to tarnish that. I'm not going back. I'm retired. Uh, also from a physical standpoint, yeah. were, you, were you happy you got out when you got out? Because, I, dude, I see some yeah. of those guys. It's just like. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. I Like, I don't wake up in pain. I am aches and pains yeah, here and there, but I'm not walking around pain. I'm not living on painkillers. I don't, uh, you know, uh, even I don't need a hip replacement. <laughs> Not yet. I know that's got to be awful. I know that's got to be that, horrible. Did, hey, well, let me like, say I'm this. Like, well, how bad did you beat the yourself recovery? Up? Oh, oh, dude, I was taking Tordal yeah. cortisone shots. Yeah. Like it was good. Like there was a point where somebody's like, hey, dude, I can't keep giving you these Tordal yeah. shots. But to stay in the game, because I loved it so much. Right. I don't want to say I loved war. Right. I, I want to be very careful there. Yeah. I loved the guys and the guys were going sure. one way or the other, yeah. but uh, uh, post hip replacement, the, the recovery sucked. This thing is great. Right. Guess what? Now I realize yeah. my right hip's all messed up, <laughs> <laughs> but it, John, I, I want to get to you, man. Uh, uh, so I mean, like I'm very fortunate yeah. in that way. Yeah. No, you, well, you, you look great, but what I'm saying, when you see some of these guys, it's just like, I don't want to say, I don't feel sorry for anything. They, they yeah. lived a life that anyone would be envious, yeah. but it, it looks like they're in pain. Yeah. They pay all for the time. It. But also like I was, like, I didn't abuse myself when I was wrestling. I didn't uh, burn my candle at both ends. Yeah. I took care of myself. And this is, again, this goes back to Triple H and Ric Flair. Because these, and we were all alike in this way. Every day we wanted to get up. We wanted to go work out. We wanted to eat as best we could. After the show, we wanted to go back to the hotel sleep. and get some sleep. Yeah. Well, Ric, Ric Flair is one handsome man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, man, the hardest decision you had to make. Man, honestly, it's been recently. When when my hardest decision before this I used to be partners with my brother, mm. so I was partners with my brother for a long time in the other business, which is a tattoo shop as well. You know, so me transitioning to here to partner up with Dave and just leaving him with with everything by himself, it was hard. You know, that's probably the biggest. I mean, hardest decision yeah. I ever yeah. made. You know, because it was family. But, you know, I treat Dave like my brother right now. So believe it or not, and I'm still me and my brother are really close as Good. well. So it's so, so nothing, really nothing changed. It's just the atmosphere of separating from his company or our company to just a different one. Is it, and I'm sure he went through phases of, uh, yeah, uh, he's happy. Yes, yes. He's happy for you now. No, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, we're still real close. We'll still talk, you know. And then again, we were partners and I gave him everything. So he's even happier. So, you know, it's not like I can't, you know. Yeah, actually, yeah. So he went from making 50% to making 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So he's super happy. Well, hey, fellas, we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. And we are back with Dave and uh, John. Uh, before we dive in, I want to talk about DC Society Inc. and, and you know this passion project and where you guys are taking. It. But first, uh, we're going to dive into a, uh, a subject that I hold dear because uh, often these type of creatures are better judges of character uh, than than most human beings, and those are dogs. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, I know you yeah. you are a uh, a, a yeah. dog uh, lover. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, in my last job, dogs quite literally saved our uh, our lives. Right. Um, first off, how's Penny? 
doing she's great. Man. <laughs> she's, she's great, man. She's a year old now. She's, she's so undamaged. I mean, she, you know, and this is what I love about dogs. They're just so, they're just so pure. And she's just, she's so undamaged. Like she still just loves anybody who will give her attention. She loves other animals. And she was, you know, horribly uh, abused. The, the chain was yeah, grafted to her neck. It was embedded yeah. in her skin. They oh. had to surgically re- remove it and stitch her up because it had been on her like so long and she had been mistreated. And I don't, you know, nobody really knows how she got loose and how she got in. They found her in a graveyard. And so still nobody knows. We put out rewards and, you know, we didn't actually get anywhere with that. But uh, that's how it uh, came to my attention that she was here in Tampa and then she was abused. I added to the reward. And then I finally called and said, has anybody adopted her? And they said, no. I said, well, can I have her? They said, yes, please come get her. And so she's been with me ever, ever since. I'm, I'm going to start crying now. She, <laughs> it, 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 she's, we've had every, almost she, every guest has cried on the like, show. You know, I have, I have three dogs. They're all, they're all rescues. They're all pits. And they are just... They're just my joy in life, man. Yeah, I, I saw a picture of Penny yeah. and her eyes are uh, uh, Yeah, John, do you have any? Uh... Yeah, I got t- two dogs. Actually, one of my dogs just had puppies. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yes, nine of them. <laughs> right, so, so if, are you looking to, to find good homes for them? Uh, yeah, I got I got a few pe- people that are already okay. asking me. So, yeah, I got a few. What what breed? They're English Bulldogs. Oh, well, they're Actually, beautiful. English Bulldog Fluffies. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yes, I got um, nine of them. <laughs> Big house now. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a Dutch Shepherd. If you guys have ever seen that, yes, it looks like a Belgian Malinois, but uh, slightly those. different. And that that dog is uh, well, it was a recovery, and uh, not a recovery. It was a uh, it was a therapy dog for me. And that yeah. dog was probably you know, my sister bought it for for me uh, at a time in my life where it was darkest when I had the exit in the military and trying to figure out what what a future looks like. Um, they are amazing, man. The thing that amazes me about dogs is it's it's so simple. You know, all they want is a little food oh, and, uh, you know, just to be pet yep. oh, and, yeah. and adored yep. and they will love you. Their loyalty oh, for life is unconditional love and loyalty. Like it's just, it's, that's what I mean. They're just so pure. They're just so pure. No, no, no hidden intentions or agenda. It's just like you said, just basics and love and they're just unconditional love and loyalty. Man. We, we are the top of the food chain. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't learn yeah. from 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 animals yeah. I, and that th- there's a beauty there that uh well i, I love that when I, I saw that i had no clue and uh wanted to uh to bring that up um i do have to ask yeah. with a reward because you'd ask for the name yeah were you going to take matters into your own here or, or just make sure that law enforcement had this person's I would name just make sure that they yeah. were yeah, yeah yeah prosecuted yeah i, I yeah I, I wouldn't be that guy i i think uh you know i can't promise that i would never be that guy <laughs> there's a time but I would, at that yeah. point when you know when there, you know, there's time that. place for everything oh yeah but I, at that time no i just it was just a sincere addition to the reward i just wanted this guy caught and prosecuted and brought out to the open i you know animal animal abusers child abusers rapists are just to me just are, are just the scum of the earth i have no love for them i have no sympathy for them i wish them yeah sorry this is, this will be harsh for some people but i just wish them pain and suffering I have no love for them at all. I have only hatred yeah. for them. I had a buddy who, uh, he had a great line because he had daughters. Right. And, he, you know, we always joke about when the guy comes over to date your daughters. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be cleaning my, sh-. other guys would say, I'm going to be cleaning my shotgun or this and this. I'm right. like, ah, oh, that's so cliche. Right. He's like, no, I got this figured out. And he would look at the the young man and say, whatever you do to my daughter, I'm going to do to you. <laughs> and well, uh, for well, rapists, yeah. for yeah. dog abusers, child abusers, yeah. Yeah. we'll do the same to you. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. Um well, 
<laughs> Strange transition of subjects. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> did, uh, uh, sometimes there is yeah. a place for dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So DC Society Inc. One, uh, I know John. The DC stands for, and, and there's the so yeah. Dream Chasers. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah District a, Columbia. Double, 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 little hokey corny to some people. Not at all, I dude. believe like tracing your dreams to get you, take you a long way in life. Wait, wait, if you had to put a percentage of people that just don't chase their dreams, it yeah. would probably be high. Super yeah. Probably be like 90% that have this dream. People that settle. Yeah. 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 So, but with this, and I know this is a passion project for you guys, when you believe in the art that you have on your skin or you wouldn't have it. Uh, one, the shop looks freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I know talking to John, we had a long conversation. You guys are going to grow this slowly to make sure that you are bringing quality artists in sure. and that you're creating this collective yes. in a sense of artists. Yeah. yeah. We just want to focus on actual our team here at home, just make it more like a society because yeah. this is what we are. And we do. We have uh, I mean, we are very picky and choosy about artists and we yeah. do right now we have four or five empty chairs. It's not because we don't have tattoo artists that have applied. There's not yeah. a shortage of yeah. artists. We just, we just want to make sure that they're the right artists. Some people, you know, we've interviewed our incredible artists, but we just didn't feel like their personalities would vibe with everybody because we yeah. want everybody like we're a no drama shop. We don't want any yeah. drama yeah, in this place. Don't. And sometimes that, that, that drama doesn't necessarily have to come from the artists, but it may come from their, their boyfriends, their girlfriends. Yeah. Or, you know, we yeah. just don't want any drama. So we've been picky and choosy uh, about our artists. So now we have uh, four permanent, one part-time but uh, we're still, I mean, we're, we're making the rent with that. Yeah. We're, and we're still looking for artists as well. Still looking. And our goal was basically to just have different artists from around the world, have guests. Very diverse. Guests, yeah. guests, Very guests diverse. artists to come work whenever, like maybe a week or a month out of the year and then just kind of rotate them. I, I have no doubt you guys have a long list of people trying to get in here by nature of both your reputations, but yeah. the fact that you're not trying to put butts in seats quickly yeah. and no. you're doing it methodically yeah. is, yes. is pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not playing the quantity game here. We want to play the quality game, so. Yeah. What is, so do you have plans to grow this into a larger community outside of this location or is it is that so far off right we now? Always, we always thought because there's, Typically for tattoo artists, the only way to like really grow is to be a shop owner or a multiple shop owner. So we always thought that if we brought in artists and they were here and they they just, they vibed with us and we loved them and we grew to be a family that they would be more than welcome to go and open another DC society so they could own their own shop and then they could start and kind of carry that on. But that's, that's awesome. kind of what we want to do. That is awesome. Yeah. So basically they, they, they learn the culture, they learn the yeah. philosophy, what you yeah. guys, the values. Yeah. That's, that's what we want. We just want to keep it that well, what our dreams are, what our hopes are for the shop and what want people to and obviously the same, yeah, you know, same mentality grow with the artists yeah. and then let them grow by themselves as yeah. well. Just keep moving forward. That, that's relatively unheard of yeah. within this industry. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. What, what does it mean to you? I know, do you realize the impact? I mean, the, 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 the severity of, uh, of what you do for people. I mean, does that ever take you back? Like, cause it's permanent. It's, it, I mean, that is something that. At the beginning was scary. Yeah. It's <laughs> scary as shit because, you know, you're actually working on somebody and that's going to be permanent. Um, so it, it, I mean, it, you, I guess you grow into that after a while. And then once you like right now, 27 years later, it's like you're sitting down and it's like basically so easy to me because it's just, 
as long as you have the connection with your client, it, you forget about all that. You just continuously just putting all your all your thoughts and everything on the art and just keep moving forward from that. Well, let me ask you with the motto of let us help you tell your story. Mm-hmm. What is the process when somebody comes in? I mean, do you want to get to know them first? They may come in and say, hey, I want this tattoo. Okay, I'd love to hear your story of, of how that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like, like I got emailed. Yes, for example. I was just saying, you go typically ahead. don't even have to to ask them. People come in, they they want to tell their story. They yeah, yeah, they the do. Significance it, of this tattoo, or what they means, or where they're trying to go with it. Yeah. Have, have you ever heard some stories that just almost bring tears to your eyes? Man, yes, I have. I really, actually, last week, I, it was kind of funny the way this worked out. I think I was talking to you a little bit about it. Um, so I had a. I had an appointment, that appointment canceled, and some customers of mine flew out from out, out of town in here because I guess one of the relatives passed away, so they wanted a tattoo. And um, so they told me the story, you know, it was kind of sad and depressed. The funny thing is, I, I tattooed the person that passed away. Oh, wow. So it was, to me, it was more like, damn, you know, now I have to go through this again. So I had three clients that, you know, there were small tattoos. So I did those three clients in their afternoon. It was the same story. It was like a connection spiritually somehow that I had two back to back. And the funny thing is that I tattooed the same other person that passed away. So it was like, like I, I see everybody grow up and I tattoo everybody. And then I have to actually do things that I don't want. And because, you know, one of the guys that I really tattooed, I, it was kind of close to me personal, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of hard me trying to actually tattoo something about him passing away. So it's, it was, it was kind of weird at, the, at that point. But it was like I was honored to do it because I could do it. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was kind of sucky. Yeah, a lot but, of like tribute, especially like when yeah. people do portraits of someone who's yeah. passed away. It's like yes. it's a little heartbreaking. Yeah. But also there's the flip side of that is you. Yeah. We've had uh, like women come in with their grandmothers and they get matching tattoos and like yeah. you know, like stuff like that. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah. except don't ever tattoo a woman's yeah. name and yeah. and vice I, versa. I, like, I think yeah, we all make that. The good I thing, a mistake the, twice. The good thing, you know, maybe <laughs> the person died, but the memory stays on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's always a good thing. Yeah. Have you, have you, I don't know if it's still around, but I know a buddy of mine tried to create an ink where the DNA of the, the person. I, I've done that black. before. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, well they, 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 so they cremate the person and they put it into the ink and they use the ink yeah. as a tattoo. Oh, wow. I've so done a few times. Yes. Yeah. They actually have a company, I think here in Tallahassee that does it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty insane. It's pretty weird, That's but yes. Right yeah. yeah. It's weird, but yes, insane. But again, I mean, that goes back to the person and they... It just means something to them, and it's, it's there's some emotional significance there to them. Yeah. So if we can help them, you know, it's meaningful yeah. to them. It's part I mean, of their life and their story. And if we can help them with that, then it's again, it's just yeah. a feel good thing. It's a canvas, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever received emails from people you've tattooed like three, five years ago to just reach out and say, "Hey, I, w- I want to let you know that." What you did meant so much to me, and they, they, they oh. still have the pride. Twenty years ago, twenty years ago, <laughs> yeah, that still got people. Twenty years ago, calling me and telling me they still love their tattoo. It's weird, but yes. For those looking to again get on the schedule, just go to dcsocietyinc.com. Is that yeah. is that the right domain? Yes. We'll make sure we, we yes. post that. Yeah. What what is it, what do you think the wait list is going to look like right now? It depends on who they want to see if they're looking for a particular artist. I mean, everybody's uh, schedule is kind of different. Yes. You know, and then we have Julia who's here. Um, we want her here full time, but right now she's here once a week. She's not here today, but she's here every Monday. 
Yes. So everybody kind of has their individual styles. Everybody's pretty diverse in styles. Yes. Um, so it really depends on who they want to come and see. But Do you find that most people, once they identify someone they, they love as a tattoo artist, they stick yeah. with that person? Yes. Right. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most common. And, and you guys aren't with one style. It's not the, the old Navy, oh, no. the, the realism. No, the, these guys are so... Well, I mean, they can pretty much do anything. Yes. I think yeah. it's just like kind of what they specialize, what they feel like is their specialty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I they're all freelancers. So super well rounded. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with this team is if somebody comes in and they know that, you know, hey, John, you're the better person for this, we'll, we'll yes. push the person over. That's the yeah. good thing about our team. They That's usually huge, communicate dude. really well with each other so they could, you know, focus on on the style and, 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 yeah. and themes that the person wants so they yeah. could actually go back and forth. I'll give you two examples that happened like recently. We had got. We got an, uh, a guy who came in yesterday and he wanted an anime and I took him right over to V because I know that's her thing. She loves anime. Yeah. She specializes yeah. yeah. in anime. So, yeah. I took her right to her. Yeah. But we had another uh, guy come in a couple of weeks ago and he wanted uh, like more of a watercolor. And so again, Julia, this is our girl who's here uh, part time, but she's just watercolor. Her watercolor is so badass, like world class. And so, but this, that type of thing. So if I had a portrait, I'd probably go over to Rico and here we go do this portrait. And, <laughs> you know, and then Lewis does all kinds of crazy creative uh Ideas, badass, or yeah, yes, it was just, you guys hear that pride? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, we're super proud of our team, yeah. super proud. They know it. That's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And, and one of the hardest things I know is for for you as an artist to say, hey, no, that's that's not my forte. Hey, yeah. but this person yeah. over here on my team is that, that's that's, yeah, that's a that's an awesome culture. That's a good thing. Yeah, right we're, there. They're basically not all about the money. There's all about taking care of the customer. Mm -hmm. Are there certain things about? this industry that you want to, I don't, I don't want to say maybe distance mm. yourself from, but like, Hey, what, what's going to be different from the majority of the, the, the industry is we are going to do it this way. We're going to well, create an environment that I think that's the thing is that we wanted more of a, a non-threatening environment. Cause like you said, I mean, when he was talking about his original uh, experience with a tattoo shop, they're kind of dark and dingy and yeah. threatening and intimidating. Yeah. yeah. And we wouldn't want just like anybody to feel comfortable coming in here and having a conversation, not just coming in here and picking a picture off a wall and saying, I want that. But coming in here and having a converse, conversation with one of our artists and saying, this is what I'm thinking or something along this lines or this is a story I'd like to tell. I sit down and have that conversation and sit down here at the table and not feel like they're out of place or, you know, they're uncomfortable. But uh, you can just be here and be comfortable and have that conversation, decide you want a tattoo and then just come on back and get it. Yeah, that right there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to move forward with you guys. Yeah. They, you. This is a big yeah, leap for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what, now, let's take it back. What, what's raison d'etre, my purpose for being, is the guys we left behind, the men yeah. and the women. Yes. And, and I mean, that's that's why I'm doing this. That's why I do legacy expeditions with all these, these skydiving expeditions is to keep their legacies alive. And right. so to have them on my canvas is... Uh, is huge. And it, you know what? It's long overdue because I have struggled with this preconceived notion of, can I be an executive and have tattoos? And right. you know what? To this point, I don't fucking care. Yeah. yeah. Excuse my language. Yeah. I speak yeah. French. <laughs> um, I, I just don't care. Yeah. That, that means more to me than anyone's perception yeah. of what it may be. Um, as we close this out, guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no doubt that, you know, there's a lot of people struggling right now. Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter if they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, everyone is, is looking for a sense of purpose and acting and asking themselves, have I lived a, a life of impact? So these two questions, when I ask them, understand that the audience is, is they're listening. They're taking notes, man. They, they want to know what has worked for you. And maybe right. they can take that one nugget from you, Dave, and one, that one nugget from you, John, say, I'm going to, I'm going to start implementing this in my life. Right. So with the, uh, the first question, 
uh, and we'll start with John. Um, what do you think are those one to three tenants, those rules that you've lived your life by that have led to a majority of your success? But we also know that you, you can follow your rules sometimes and things just don't work out. But what, what do you pride yourself on? Well, I pride myself on just a ladder one day, one day at a time. I say, I say this, I wake up and see a different day every day, you know, and hoping for that day to be the best day that I could have. And just basically come up a ladder and that ladder just climb it as high as I can. As soon as I climb it as high as I can, I just look back and have no regrets of what I've done. And with one day at a time, uh, is that also, hey, whatever has gotten me here is not going to get me to, to tomorrow. So you redefine yourself in a way you humble yourself. I, I've always been humble and I always seen and I treated everybody the same way. So respect. Respect is the biggest key in the world. I think um, that takes you more than anything in life in general. Anything else? Um, I mean, those are powerful. I, I, I mean, I think that's, you know, just the respect part. I mean, I don't really regret anything in my life because I see everything as an experience. And um, I'm just trying to wake up every day and go higher than what I am tomorrow. <laughs> how, how do you feel we're, we're uh, as and I mean, I'm just going to focus on America's America. How do you how do you feel we're, we're treating each other as, as fellow Americans right now? That, uh, would you say we're, I mean, we're it's, getting a D? It's, it's, it's terrible, believe it or not. But I believe everything will come to a, a stabilize in life. So do everybody I. and everybody should be joining together and just keep moving forward. It's amazing what we can do when we're mm. part of a team, dude. Yes. Team what is, is everything. Can't win a basketball game without a team or a championship. Unless you're Michael Jordan. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> hey. Yeah, even or LeBron. Would, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dave, man. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to give advice uh, like, you know, what's, you know, what things you should wake up and do, what you, you know, what plan you should have because I, you know, I can only tell you what has worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what worked for me is I followed my heart typically with everything that I've done. I've been passionate about something and I've just pursued it with everything, like almost an obsession. Um, and one obsession has led to another obsession. And I, again, I will pursue it like a dog on a bone. I just, uh, there's no quitting me. I just, uh, I just follow my heart. And it, I think that people, a lot of times people m make the mistake of just, giving up too quick. Like if they find something they're passionate yes. about, like you want it so bad. They want it overnight. They want that get rich quick scheme, which is everywhere. And it's just not, that's not, that's not reality. I mean, not for me, but I knew that. And I would just, and I wasn't, that was, I just had a plan an overall plan and not much of a plan, but just, I, I had a vision of what I wanted with everything that I've ever done. And I, and I think that most of the time I just, have pursued things because uh, I never think I'm going to pursue this because I'm going to make a lot of money doing this. I'm going to pursue this because I fucking love it, man. I really love this. And this is what, what I want to do with my life. This is the direction I want to go in. And it just, you know, all the the money and stuff. And I learned the hard way um, when I left wrestling that money is not the answer to everything. Yeah. Money is Amen. nothing but security. Amen. It's security and that's all it is. Money is not going to buy you happiness. Money is not the answer. But as a byproduct of me chasing the stuff that I loved, I've been able to be financially su successful because of it. But that was never that was wasn't my goal. I mean, and I always tell this to people originally, my when I first decided decided to pursue professional wrestling, I did it because I was broke and I needed to make a living. But as I went along with it. I was still broke, but I became obsessed with it. I just fell in love with it. So I pursued it for that reason. 
um, again, I did, yeah, I did well, but I, I, I left while I was on top and I left and I was broke again. <laughs> and this is when I realized that money wasn't the answer because I made a lot of money with wrestling and I lost it all. And when I had a second chance, I know now that money is only security. So I live my life differently. And all I want to do now is take care of the people I love. One, you know, I, I didn't think about this earlier, but now I'm thinking about it because it just came back to me. One of my biggest regrets in life is when I made a ton of money in wrestling, I bought stupid shit. I bought Lamborghinis and all kinds of fancy cars and fancy watches. And I never bought my mother a house. I read, I read this. Yeah. yeah. And I, it, it killed me. And, but I just, in retrospect, I look back and I always regretted that. And I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. And I said, if I ever have the opportunity again to do that, so when I did, I had I started making money in films. First thing I did was start looking for a house for my mom, and now she has a house in you know San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom wanted to live in a certain area. Uh, she wanted an old Victorian. She's very she's my mom's at old San Francisco. She's very resentful of all the tech money, and they've taken all these Victorians and they've gutted them and they've turned them into something else. Yeah. But she wanted uh, an old Victorian. So I finally got her that. And it's about the proudest thing that I can say is that I bought my mom a house. So that, but that's it. That's security. That's what security is. Security means that my son won't have to go through the hardships that I went through. Yeah. You know, that we will always have a roof over our head. We will always have food over on our tables, which I didn't when I was younger. So that's it. It's just, it's providing for the people you love. And that's at the end of the end of the day, I hope that I've inspired a few people when I leave this world, but I just want to leave this world knowing that my family is taken care of and my dogs are taken care of. But you see, there's, there's a, and I, I recently came across this story about Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. And I think it, re, it reinforces your point about money. Right. Uh, and basically he said, bury me with my hands outside the ground to show the world that I came into this world with nothing right. and that I left with world nothing. nothing yeah. uh, and that's why I usually say, you know, impact is the greatest currency in life, not money. But we all want to leave our, our, our families in a position to change the status even, even yeah. more. Um, let me ask, well, you made one point and, and I'm interested because everything is a, a, a dichotomy because obsession can lead to yeah. a lack of balance. Was there ever sure. a point where you're like, okay, I went too far? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with wrestling, I lost my family. Yeah. I lost my family. You know, I always thought I was there and I was trying to be a good provider, but there, I, you know, that I have to take some responsibility of being so obsessed with that that I neglected a part of my family. Yeah. And so my marriage fell apart because of it. My children were off doing, I don't know, making horrible decisions. I wasn't home. I wasn't able to be home. Um, and I have to take some responsibility for that. But at the same time, I, you know, it's again, it's hard for me to look back. And if I, this was my one shot in life, mm -hmm. this was it. And I knew that it would change generations of my family yes so it's like once you get your shots you got to take your shot and you try to balance everything as as well as you can but you're gonna make mistakes i made mistakes i, I was it was hard for me to balance i still you know look back and i like i don't know how i would have done things differently but the flip side to that is now i'm able to provide for my family yeah. i'm able to buy my mom that house and this wasn't going to happen if i didn't take my shot Dude, I didn't do what you did. Yeah. Um, but I know my last command, and, and I think this statistic I heard was we had like, our divorce rate was like 95%. Right. Like all we cared about was going to war. Right. And if you had to choose between going back outside the wire with the guys right. or your family, 
this is this is going to sound awful. Guys would choose going outside the yeah. wire with their, their with, with the boys. Yeah, and and uh, you know, it's just when you are so laser focused, sometimes maybe you, I'm sure you know we're we're not at that point in our lives right. yet where we look back and maybe say, hey, I, I made the wrong right. choice, but I, I totally under, understand what yeah. you're saying. When you're in the game, yeah. you are in the game, and you yeah. see nothing else. Yeah, and those, I mean, obviously, I've never been in your shoes, but. Uh-huh. I mean, you can't tell me that those guys aren't any less your family than your family who's at home. Yeah, we used to say, uh, yeah. uh, we used to say, hey, well, you know, my, my wife and kids over here, that's that's my family. We're like, yeah. oh, that's your second family. Yeah. And, and I'm sure wrestling was was right. the same way in, yeah. uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so here, here's the last question, man. I'm still trying to figure this out. I, I think I know, and I think it revolves around my family, but when all is uh, said and done and you're at that moment, how are you going to look back and know that you lived a life of impact and purpose. That's that, that, that one is it's deep. I mean, it's meant to be deep. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I might not be able to say myself how, but through my art and all my canvases that I've done, I think it's going to speak for myself. I think all the artwork that I've done on everybody and everything that I've done, I think that will speak for my last time. I think that'll leave my following behind. I'd say that's, I, yeah. I think that's pretty accurate, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I can say, man. There's going to be movies, pictures, drawings everywhere, and they're going to be all that guy that... Uh, John so, did those. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's pretty... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I hope in that... I know that I'll leave my family with security, but I think, yeah. you know, the thing with me is I've, I already know. I already know because... I didn't waste my life. I'm not a statistic. You know, I did something. I should have been nothing, but I actually made something out of my life. I did something, I think, exceptional. I mean, the, the best thing about my career is I can fly halfway across the world. I can step up, off a plane and people know who I am. Like, that's, that's you, can't put, you can't put a number on that. You can't put a value on that. It's just something that I know I've done something, something exceptional. That's impacted If, if I can do that. Yeah. 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 People are happy to see me across the world. Yeah. You know, maybe don't even speak their language, but they're happy to see me. Yeah. You know, I can step off and see, they see me and they want to take a picture with me. That's invaluable. Mm-hmm. You know, so I already know that I've made somewhat of an impact. And, and I think, I hope a good impact, but I want to make more of an impact. Like I want to tell more. I want to inspire yeah. people. This is what I love about storytelling. Yeah. That is the way you can actually inspire people. And it's that story that I put on to film will be here long after I'm gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, fellas, I can't thank you enough for inviting me into yeah, your home, you. uh, which I know is your passion. Um, John, I look forward to, to the ink. Uh, yeah. Dave, I, I got to say, man, um, and for all those listening, if anyone judges a book by its co- uh, cover, which you've got a distinct cover, you'd be absolutely 100% wrong. And I've done that before. And your <laughs> humility, your empathy, your kindness, and your respect, uh, just it, it's oozing out of your, your pores, man. So you, man. Uh, I'm humbled the opportunity to get to know you and John and move forward with you guys in, in my small way. But uh, for all those listening, uh, all those who've been struggling, whether they want to get that piece of art on their skin, do it. Uh, reach out to DC uh, Society, Inc. Uh, I, I know the list is going to be long, so do it now. <laughs> And uh, congratulations on the launch to all you guys, man. Thank, thank you. And I hope you build something uh, that that puts this industry uh, on a different level. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. And that is the Everyday Warrior with Mike Sorelli. Yeah. And we will be back next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal magazine. Men's Journal magazine has features on health and fitness, 
adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.